Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Southern Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me tonight is Liam. How are you, Liam? Good, thanks, mate. Um, yep, been a busy day here in Japan, but uh, looking forward to having some uh, chill-out time and uh, talking football. That sounds good, mate. Sounds good. Right when our intro music was going, I just had a bloody sneezing fit, so I apologise if I sound a little bit stupid, <laughs> but we'll get there then. Um, yeah, so basically what tonight's episode is, is during the international break, we thought we'll give the uh, usual live shows a bit of a little bit of a rest, give them a week off sort of thing. So what we've done previously is we've done Tim Talk podcasts where I talk to different people from CSCs, people who run different Celtic fan pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff, and talk to different uh, people on other podcasts and that as well. So what we've done recently is since we expanded our podcast, we thought, you know what, we'll let the listeners and you guys get the chance to tune in and see and learn a little bit more basically about the guys on the Celtic Down Under podcast. So we've got one of the, one of what I call the OGs, one of the original guys, Liam, here tonight. So this will be a, a fun episode. Could go on quite a few tangents knowing the two of us on a podcast together. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll crack on and get stuck into it. So Liam, how did you become a Celtic fan? Well, funny thing, actually. Um... You know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, my, my, my parents were Celtic fans, my, my family have all been Celtic fans, which is true. But I was not actually into football that much when I was very when I was a, a very young kid. I was born in Glasgow, um, but my dad was a chef. So we moved around wherever there was work and cut a long story short, I ended up living in England for six years uh, up until I was uh, seven years old. And um school I went to there, football just wasn't a thing. Um, and every time you turned on the TV, it was like, you know, it was England or it was Man United or it was Arsenal. Or it was teams I had no interest in. So um, fast forward to 1989, when I was six years old, we were on one of our trips up to Scotland. We would usually come up to Scotland a couple of times a year to visit family and whatever. And um, my dad took me to Celtic Park for the first time. And at that time, now, I, I did not appreciate, six years old, I did not fully appreciate the significance of this, but um, we were ta- we'd taken on a tour of the stadium. And the, the, our guide for the day was Stevie Chalmers, who, of <laughs> course, as we know, scored the winning goal in the European Cup final for Celtic. Um, but to me, six-year-old, it was like, oh, here's this, this nice man that knows everything about Celtic, you know. And uh, 
took us around the, 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 the trophy room, whatever. I got to hold the Scottish Cup, which the, the team had won just a few weeks previously, and then I dropped it. <laughs> and, a, and a sign of things to come with me becoming a goalkeeper, yes, I held the Scottish Cup aloft and I dropped it. Um, uh, so that was interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, great memories of that day. I can pinpoint the exact date, 6th of August, 1989. I've still got the certificate somewhere that Stevie autographed for me that day to say that I'd completed the tour. Um, and I was a Celtic fan from then on in. Uh, that was kind of where it started. My first game didn't come until 1992. Um, we moved back to Scotland uh, about, well, about nine months after that tour. So in the summer 1990. Uh, first game was New Zealand versus Celtic in a mid-season friendly. I think round about February of 92, if I remember correctly. Um, and again, I still wasn't really that much into football at that point, but my dad had kept saying, we'll go to your Celtic game, we'll go to your Celtic game. And what better than a, a friendly that no one was interested in to, to go to for your first Celtic game? We lost 1-0. And uh, yeah. So, but then finally, um, after the, the Euro 92 football championship was what really got me into football. Um, watching Scotland at that, what was their first Euros at the time, the fairy tale story of Denmark, only getting in because Yugoslavia pulled out at the last minute and, you know, ended up winning the thing. Scotland beating what, what remained of the Soviet team so badly that they disbanded the next day, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, quite quite a time. Come on, Liam. It's not like you to like mock your comrades. Yeah, I know. I often joke that I'm old enough to remember when a, when a CIS male was a guy who played for Russia. But anyway. <laughs> Good thing we're after the five-minute mark. We won't get 10 minutes <laughs> that comment. Happy days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so we're just basically we're going to talk a few things about the club structure and all that sort of stuff at the moment. Then we'll finish off. The last four questions are always about you as the Celtic fan and your memories and stuff like that. So, We'll get into the uh, the good stuff on. So the change of manager at Celtic from Ange Postacoglu to Brendan Rodgers. Mm. I want to know how you look back on Ange's time at the club. Now, before you give your answer, a little bit of context for everyone listening. If you haven't tuned into the Celtic Down Under podcast regularly or anything, I'm based over in Melbourne, Australia, Ange's hometown. Liam is over in Japan. Where were the two guys when Ange was linked with us that were absolutely buzzing early on about, oh, this is going to be a good signing? And there's proof on our channel and on Axom. We both got involved on Axom at the same time because of that. So I want to get – so I know how up and about you were when Ange was coming to the club. So I want to get your view on how you look back on it since he's departed. Um, I'm really pleased that a lot of the things Ange put in place seem to still be there. Um, we are still looking around the the market in Asia and Australia. You know, since he left, we've signed Marco Tilio, an Australian player that I know you rate very highly. Um, we've signed a couple of Koreans. Uh, Yang looks promising. Kwon hasn't really had a chance yet, so we'll see what he can do. Um, you know, I think it's good that one of the main selling points of bringing Ange in was to exploit these new markets that Celtic hadn't really been into for a while. Um, and we brought in, you know, the likes of Kyogo, Dyson Maeda, um, Aaron Moy, who's now moved on, but did a great job for us last year. And it was, uh, you know, it was a great time, a great time to be a Celtic fan. It was a great time to be a Celtic fan who also loves Japanese football because Ange validated what Australia is capable of in terms of producing quality coaches. He validated what Japan is capable of in terms of producing world-class players. And he shut up a lot of people who basically said that he was a Mickey Mouse manager from a Mickey Mouse league. And I took a bit of stick at the time because I said when, when Ange came in that, um, you know, a lot of the kind of dismissive arrogance that you were getting from the, the media in Scotland and, to be honest, some Celtic supporters 
was very the, the very very same type of stuff that we get annoyed about when we hear fans of EPL teams talking about Celtic. You know, oh, it's a pub league, it's Mickey Mouse, whatever. That there was a lot of that going about when Ange came in, and he very quickly steadied the ship and shut those people up, and it was great to see. It's funny you bring that up because I was talking to Stephen on our other team talk that we just recorded not long ago, and he was we're talking about one of his favourite players like all time, and he said Lubo, and then I brought up yeah he was signed by Dr Joe, and a lot of the same stuff happened when Dr Joe came into the club, and then Lubo came in from an Eastern European like country, and that, and the media at the time was all oh, look at these guys assigning people from out of the blue and all this sort of stuff, and it was against it, and they did well for the club. And then it was the same with Ange coming in, coming in an Australian via Japan, bringing Japanese players with him. And, yeah, it was just great to see, like, him shutting those people up pretty quickly, especially after the first six games where we were three, like, three losses and whatever, three wins or whatever, and we like, weren't going the greatest. and. People were calling for probably one more loss away from calling for his head to then go on and win five out of six trophies. It was just unbelievable. Excuse me. I think your sneezing is spread over to Japan here. Um, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, it's not just that we won those trophies. We won them playing a style of football, which is some of the most exciting I've seen Celtic play in a long time. Um, For me, it harkened back to... Uh, the Martin O'Neill years when we would just go out and totally dominate everybody in the league and Ange had us at that level and it was really beautiful to see Just batter him and get the job done early and then cruise the rest of the way so what I want to ask you as well with Rogers coming in how are you finding the transition from Ange Ball to the way Brendan has the team playing like how are you finding the transition as a fan for the players and overall as a as a club well, you know, it's easy to speak with hindsight, but I'll I'll be honest. And, you know, you and I both, I think, were not in favour of Rodgers coming back. Um, we felt that too much had been, there was too much hurt from what, from how, how it ended before. And I didn't think it was appropriate. But, um, and also there's the fact that it seldom works out for a manager second time around. But he has, he's come in and he's proven, he's proven me wrong because he's made a team that, has continued the best parts of Ange's game and I think added a couple of other things. Um, look, our European results so far have not been great. We've played two, lost two in the Champions League, but we've not been like absolutely gubbed in either of those games. We've competed in both of them. Um, and I think there is progression there. Um, we also, uh, I think it's credit to Rogers that he has had the humility to realise that he was trying to impose entirely his own style at the start, and it didn't really work, particularly, particularly with the fullbacks. Um, you look at Greg Taylor and you look at Alistair Johnson now, they are so much more comfortable that they're being allowed to play more or less the same way they played under Ange. Um, Rayo Hatate looks like he's coming back to being the player that we all know he could be um, because he's finally found his place in this new setup. Uh, Kyogo is the same. He's taking time to adapt. Um, Maeda is having to play out on the right now, which I'm sure he will adapt to as well. Um, but ever since we beat Rangers, that was the turning point for me. A lot of people said, oh, this week was when we finally clicked the, the last home game. But for me, it was beating Rangers. If we'd have lost that game, questions would have been asked about were we right to bring Brendan Rodgers back? We beat I would have been asking him. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, and I would, I would have been agreeing with you. Um, but... We, we got that job done and we got it done with a severely weakened team. And I think that that speaks volumes to his ability to grind out a result. As much as I love the football we played under Ange, I hate to say this, but I'm not entirely sure we would have won that game playing, playing the style of football Ange plays because Ange needed certain players to make that system work. And we didn't have those players at that game. So it's, you know... It's a what if, which we'll never know the answer to, but I do think that that was when Brendan Rogers' Celtic new Brendan Rogers' new Celtic emerged, and we've only got stronger since then. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Like as you touched on about Rogers, like 
I wasn't a massive fan of him coming back and it wasn't for the football manager or the style of play. It was because of the other stuff that had happened in terms of actual football and his resume and everything like that. His CV as a manager, it was the best we could have got. So, you know, you're like, all right, we'll give it a go. But where I said I would have asked questions if we had a lost at Ibrox, the, the reason for that is I would have asked questions not because I wanted him sacked then and there, but I would have asked questions because we have to ask it and discuss it on the podcast. And when I'm hosting, I have to ask that question. Yeah. Even if it sometimes makes us look like idiots or pet or what they call it, bedwetters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Some of the Celtic Dars and stuff will call you that on the, in the comments if you do that. But yeah, it's one of them ones where I just look at it and go, the transition is, as you said, Liam, the players going from Andrew's system, having a, you know, it was not just the players having to adjust to what Brendan's doing, but it's also Brendan having to learn the players and where they work best on the pitch and all this sort of stuff as well. There's been that adjustment period, but yeah, things are starting to ramp an upward trajectory. That's the word. Mm-hmm. And um... we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The two European results, they had, like, the the Nazio game, like we could have easily won that. We should have been two or three up when they scored at the end there. So that was wastefulness. So we have to cop that. But the the final game, we were we were there. And then we had a couple of red cards. And then, you know, I actually thought we still gave a fair crack after that. But yeah, like there's there's been reasons for each that haven't gone our way, but at stock standard Celtic in Europe. It's just it's an it's an ongoing story at the moment. It's got something's got to change, but yeah, I think Brendan's doing well there. But I want to ask your take on the club structure at present. So we've had two managers come in in Ange and in Brendan. Brendan and they've come in. They've kept the same backroom staff. They've come in as their own men. And Ange came in and he had his list of players like, I want Kyogo straight away. I need him in my system. And they went and got it. Brendan's come in and he was going to take a break. So it didn't seem like he came in with that list ready to go. So I think that's part of something why we didn't get the early signings with him. But the question I want and what I'm getting to is, are you happy with the current structure where we have the head of recruitment, we have the the manager and we have the backroom staff? Or do you think we also need to have a director of football at Celtic? I think as we are at the moment, I'm, I'm happy with the, the footballing side of the of the, the club. The the business and board side is another story, but I'm happy with the, the footballing side of it. I think that, um, you know, modern football... The days of managers just going out and signing the players they want are, are gone. Okay, that's still a part of it, as Ange showed when he deliberately targeted the likes of Kyogo and later on Dyson Maeda and Rio Hatate. But, you know, there's still a scouting network that unearths players. Like, like I don't, you know, we, we brought in the likes of Oh and Yang from Korea. Moves which were... I mean, in Yang's case, it came through after Ange had gone, but it was clearly, it was rumoured before before Ange moved on. So clearly he'd looked at him. And, you know, I, I don't think Ange was that familiar with the, the K-League, but we obviously had our scouts and our network doing that. And that's a really encouraging step because 
I, uh, when I was on Axom the other night, I rhymed off a list of players that Celtic could have signed out of Japan in the in the years between Nakamura leaving and Ange coming. You know, the likes of Keisuke Honda, uh, Shinji Kagawa, uh, Takafusa Kubo, the most recent one. Mm-hmm. These are all players. Yep, yep. These are all players we could have had for two or three million quid if we'd have been actively watching. Japanese football, but we weren't. And you think it what those guys have went on to achieve in Europe. Um, you know, I think Nagatomo was another one I picked out. He's been he would be sad for Inter Milan. You know, Honda played for AC Milan, Kagawa was Dortmund and Man United. You know, th- these are all guys that played at the absolute top level and did well at World Cups as well. And we could have had them if we'd have been as on the ball as we are now. So hopefully, in the fullness of time. Some of those guys, the next generation, might end up at Celtic before they go to the, the absolute top levels of Europe. Yeah, they'll come to Scotland instead of going to Holland, basically. Mm. Like, they tend to go to Holland and Belgium if they don't go to Germany straight away. So, yeah, just with what you said about the, you know, guys like Yang and those guys, those were basically what I look at as like club signings that have been scouted by the club. We had our, our recruits and everything ready to go, our recruitment staff. And, that's kind of what I think is our director of football at the moment is Mark Lowell. Mm. He's coming in. He's basically a de facto director of football in there running the, the, the recruitment, running that, but him, he's working side by side with Brendan. And I think it's I think it's a good setup for the club with our budget and everything. But I said on the last pod, I'd rather it wasn't someone with the last name Lowell when his old man's the chairman of the club for the nepotism reasons. But and also out of his 15 signings since he come to the club, only one's a, a absolute starter every week, which is Alistair Johnson, who was a replacement for someone we sold, Juranovic. So I don't really see a lot of impact so far, but who's to say guys, these guys like Yang and Tilio and Awada aren't going to break in more over the next six to 12 months? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, that's the thing with these these players. They're coming into a team that's already won everything domestically. So in order to get a run in the team, you're going to have to prove you're better than what's already there. And none of them so far have really had a chance to do that. You know, it's too bad none of them can play centre-back because they would probably have got a game by now if they could. <laughs> well, speaking of centre-backs, I'm going to go through. Since Mark Lawwell arrived in July 2022... As head of first team scouting and recruitment, these are the 15 players that have come in. Mm. So off the back of this list, I want to get your thoughts on how the recruitment has been over the last 12, 18 months. So he's been at the club for about 15 months now, okay? So mm. spot on in the middle there. So the players come in. Jens, Haksabanovic, Abulgard, Kobayashi, Johnson, Awada, O, Home, Tilio, Yang, Kwon, Lagerbelka, Palmer, Naroski, Phillips, and Bernardo. What are your thoughts there, Liam? It's roughly about a 60 to 70% hit rate. Um, and of that remaining 40, 30%, 40%, half of them are not, not so much duds as they haven't proven themselves one way or the other yet. Um, you know, I think you can say that Abelgard was a dud, unfortunately. Jens was a good player, but he wasn't. He didn't fit with what we needed at the time. Um, he would have suited the Rogers system now more than he suited mm, Ange last year. Quite possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, and going the other way, I think Kobayashi has moved further out of the picture because Ange could probably have got something out of him. I don't know if, if, if Rogers' style can, unfortunately. Um, but then you've got, you know, you've got the likes of Tilio, as I said before, Quan. Unproven quantities thus far, and it wouldn't be fair to say one way or another if they're good or bad signings. But then, top of that, you've got the likes of uh, you know, Palmer looks a player, no question. He looks yeah. he looks like something special. Um, Iwata for me has not put a foot wrong whenever he's played. He's always looked solid. Um, you know, I really think that we a recruitment in football. If you can sign. You know, more than 50% of your signings work out, you're doing well. 
right? I mean, that's better than that's better than that mob on the other side of Glasgow, isn't it? You know, um, shots fired. Yeah. Aye, well, <laughs> Shot, shots fired. Luckily, they were by Dessers, so they're not coming anywhere near us. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying though about the recruitment and everything, like we've said in the past numerous times, like I've mentioned about the production line and you're signing guys to be about like basically you want to get guys in so you have your starter and then you have your guy behind it challenging him. So when you sell your starter, next man's up. So realistically, like John has gone out, been sold. We've brought Palmer in who's looking like a, a fair replacement for him on the left, right? Yeah. But then I look at it and go, we've signed Tilio. And Tilio will spend the next 12 months at least, 12, 18 months behind Palmer, challenging Palmer, getting some games so that when Palmer eventually moves on, Tilio is ready to step up. So then when we should be just, you sell Palmer, Tilio steps up and then you bring in the guy behind Tilio to challenge him to try and take his spot. In the same way, we've got a barter on the right. He's been linked with moves away for ages then you've got Yang behind him to challenge him and develop and learn that. And then you've got Maeda who can cover them both, plus as a striker. So you've got plenty of options. So I think the recruitment's been okay. But it depends on the structure. Like if it's that production line thing that I'm talking about, I think our recruitment's been okay. If it's like for like, like you lose staff out, you bring in Narosky for the same money. Okay, cool. We haven't really seen much from him because he's been injured. Could be a good player. Lager Belka coming in, I liked what I've seen from him so far. Phillips coming in on loan, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. Hmm. I think though that Phillips... Sorry, go ahead. Like Those guys are doing well. I don't think, yeah, I think what you were going to say potentially is Phillips won't be made permanent. Hmm. If you've got Lager Belka, you've got Carter Vickers, you've got Scales, you've got that, and you've got, what's it called there, and you've got Welsh coming back from injury... You don't think you'd bring, you'd keep Phillips permanently, but stranger things have happened. Hmm. Who knows? It's all going to come. It's going to come down to how much Liverpool want. You know, if it's if it's uh, if Phillips comes into the team at some point and plays good, you know, plays well for you know a run of like seven or eight games. Uh, if Liverpool come in in January and say, "Look, you can have him for like four or five million," say, "Well, I'd probably worth it at that." But if they stick to their ten or twelve million. And I'm sorry, I know it's England, I know it's it's supposed to be the best league in the world, whatever. Don't you don't pay ten or twelve million for a, a reserve team player. I don't care who they're playing for. That's just nah. I don't buy that. It's not even reserve, he's the reserves reserve. Let's <laughs> be honest. Yeah. You've got Virgil on them and then you've got, you know, someone underneath him, probably Joe Gomez or something, and then you've got him underneath Gomez. So he's basically Liverpool's version of Kobayashi, if you're being honest, or Welsh. So you don't pay that money for that. But anyway, off the back of recruitment and everything, we're talking about that, what current players at the club do you think will be moving on in the next six to 12 months? Hmm. Um, I really hope I'm wrong with this one, but I could see us getting a big money offer for Matt O'Reilly in the not-too-distant future. He has really emerged this season as a, a very, very special talent. Um, adding goals to his game was the one thing that was missing. And it's and it's clear that he is one that's really embraced the, the changes that Rogers has made to the system and made it work for his game. So I think he could be um, a potential move on. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers is another one. He's a cut above every other defender we have at the club at the moment. And if he continues that, there's going to be money on the table for him. We were lucky, in a, I mean, unlucky for him, but lucky for us in the sense he didn't figure too much in USA's World Cup campaign last year. Because I think if he'd have played in their games, if he'd have played every game for them, with them getting to the last 16 and looking like a decent team, we would have had large offers for him then, you know, a year ago. Uh, we definitely need to get him tied during a longer-term deal because whether he's going to be around or not, there are going to be people sniffing around for him in January and at the end of the season as well, I think. I honestly think with Carter Vickers, it could be one where 
he had like 12 loan moves in six years or seven years or something like that. So this has been his longest stint at the club pretty much since he's come out of the academy system. So I actually, like, it wouldn't surprise me, even if we did get a big offer for him, that he wouldn't jump at the first movement because he's getting consistent first-team football at a club where he's consistently been playing. He's still an international. He's playing in the Champions League and he's winning trophies. I think it might – I don't know what his level of ambition is, but I actually wouldn't be shocked if he'd said, no, you know what, I'll stay here for another year or two. Wouldn't shock me at all. But if he did go at the end of the season, also wouldn't shock me. I, I think his future Celtic captain material, if he chooses to stay long term, which is a big if, but I think that when you know when the time comes for Cal Mack to hang up his boots, to me, Carter Vickers, based on what we have at the moment, is the natural successor. People are saying O'Reilly as well if he stayed long term, but he won't be around long enough to get that armband permanently. No. No, unfortunately not. O'Reilly is going to be our next Jota, I think. It's going to be a 25, 30 million pound move, but he will go. Let's hope we can break that glass ceiling and push it on. We've just signed him on a new long-term contract. He's doing it in the Champions League. Let's hope we can push through the KT money level of 25 million for KT and and Jota and push it through, whether we break through 30 million or whatever. Because if you're a comparable player in Holland... Making a move to the EPL, mm. what would it go for? Fifty million. Yeah. You'd yeah. be looking forty, fifty million. So why are we getting, you know, the Scotland tax the wrong way and not getting enough money? Like it's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing with that is also, you know, I'm trying to think of a way to frame this that is going to use appropriate language, but the Saudis entering it has created an armed race of sorts um, with the uh, with, with the, the EPL in that fees are going to go up, salaries are going to go up because you know it's England is no longer the only big fish in the pond. There's also Saudi Arabia, which is throwing as much money as they can at at trying to legitimize the regime through football um and uh you know that's uh that's a whole different story but the knock-on effect for celtic is that you know if an english team came in for jota as great as jota was for us i don't think we'd get 25 million for him whereas saudi were just like you want 25 million bang there you go done and i think either yeah yeah and that's the thing now. If 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 England comes calling again, we can say, well, look, the precedent's there. Jota arguably wasn't even our best player last season, and we t- we we got twenty five million for him. So we'll start the bidding there. Um, you know, if Matt O'Reilly goes on to become the Player of the Year, which I think he probably will, um, and like you say, long term deal. So no, if you want him, yeah, uh, like you say, you would pay. You wouldn't hesitate to pay forty, fifty million for the same guy if he was playing in Holland or Germany. So, nah, it doesn't matter what league he's in. If he's good enough, you can pay for him. I just look at it and go, how much did Spurs pay for Eric Lamella back in the day? About forty million. There you go. There's your starting point. No, it's a comparable no. level of talent. Yep. Absolutely. Um, other players as well, because I think we've got a bit of a bloated squad. So mm. I'm thinking you look at what's underneath the starting lineup, people like Segrist would probably be looking for his move away. 
Joe Hart could potentially move on, but we've said we'd love him to stay for it. You said for another two years. I've said for another year mm. like that. So he's one that could be moving on. And then you look at it and go, you've got a bunch of others underneath who aren't playing guys who are out on loan at the moment, like Haksabanovic. He won't he won't be staying. He'll be sold at the end of the season. Um, Mikey Johnson, James McCarthy, these sort of blokes as well that realistically they'll well, you'd hope they'd move on to free up the wage bill a little bit too. Yeah, and unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, I think you can probably add Kobayashi to that list as well. Um, and the Gucci. Yeah. Well, as as I said about Kobayashi, the big the, the big telling point for him will be where does he go for his inevitable loan move in January? If he goes to somewhere else in Europe, that tells me Celtic still see a player there. If he goes back to Japan, that's them giving up the ghost. Um, you know, Idiguchi sending him back to the J League with a diplomatic way of saying, sorry, son, it's not working out for you here. Um, and, uh, you know, that's historically, not just Celtic, that's what's happened with a lot of Japanese players that have came over and haven't settled or haven't been able to lift their game to the European level. And they end up taking the loan route and then later on signing a permanent deal back in the J League. Um you know, and a lot of them go on to have successful careers there, which hopefully Idiguchi will once he gets over his current injury. Um, I just really wish Kobayashi could turn it around, but I don't see how he's going to with so many players in front of him now. And Liam Scales has just come from nowhere to suddenly be, you know, one of our most consistent players. Yeah, we are talking about that on the last pot noodle and we're saying, like, doing depth chart and everything. And I was saying, like, Scales was a couple of days off being sold to Aberdeen. So, you know, they want another centre-back. And I would love to see, you know, Kobayashi go up on an 18-month loan to, to Aberdeen and be like, we know he can play with the ball at his feet, but it's everyone talks about his positioning and his toughness and this sort of stuff. Send him up there, get him on the uh, Ryan Christie diet with chicken and rice and everything, and just get him bulked up and get him toughened up and everything. And it worked for scales as well. So that could potentially work. Get him up there and see how that works. Because worst case scenario, he goes up there, he joins the team and the Barry Robson CSC up there and helps take points off opposition, a certain opposition club as well. Well, mm. I'd be happy with that. And, you know, it's not like he's going back to Japan or whatever. So it's not really... I don't know. I think that'd be a good move for him, but you know, we'll yeah, that, 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 that's an absolute no-brainer for me. You said that, and I just thought, yeah, perfect, because Aberdeen play quite a a physically, shall we say, imposing style of football, and that's exactly the element that Kobayashi needs to add to his game. So, yeah, Aberdeen would be the perfect fit for him, and like you say. They've rejuvenated. They've already rejuvenated two players for us that we thought were were back numbers, Christie and Scales. So there's no reason why they couldn't do it again with Kobayashi. So the thing is, when we went on the Japan tour over the off season, like Kobayashi strolled in those games that he played over there before he got hurt. So he, we know he's good enough at the J League level. So he needs to stay in Europe. There's still a player there. I, was, I yeah. don't doubt that for a second, but. A move up to Aberdeen, I think, would be perfect for him. And, you know, you can't really complain about that if that was the move to go ahead. No, and the other thing is that I know from experience, like I, <laughs> my old uh, my old kendo sensei was, uh, lived in Aberdeen when he was based in Scotland. There is quite a big Japanese community up there that work in the oil industry. So from a social aspect, it would be, it wouldn't be too much of a cultural shift to go from Glasgow to Aberdeen because there will still be some Japanese up there that you'll be able to socialise with. It's not like we're sending him to Ross County or something like that where, you know, Melky Mackay is the gaffer and he's had comments about <laughs> Asians on emails in the past. Kobe <laughs> uh, uh, Asher number 18, does that come with fried rice? Uh, yeah, well, let, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just did. Oops. Sorry. <sighs> All right, Liam. So what areas of the team do you think we need to strengthen over the next six to 12 months? Uh, right. We need, whether Joe Hart stays or not, we need, I think, two more goalkeepers because I don't think Seacrest or Bain should be there. Um, Scott Bain is perfectly serviceable at, at domestic level, 
but we need someone who can challenge for the first, uh, you know, the starting berth in Europe. And that's not him. Segrist is far too comfortable just being the backup and collecting a wage packet. And to me, any any player, regardless of their position, I mean, you know that a goalkeeper, there's always going to be at least one who's not getting a regular game, right? But with goalkeeper, with any player, any player who's happy not playing shouldn't be at Celtic, in my opinion. And uh, that's that's Segrist for me. He doesn't seem to have the the drive, the, the appetite, or even the anger to say, I want a game, you know? I mean, it's been well documented that he's his his partner's in Australia, and that's probably where he's going to end up. And you know what? Celtic should just move that through in January. Get him his move to Australia and <laughs> let him get his Do hole and be happy. Do a swap <laughs> deal. Send him to Adelaide. It's only an hour, hour and a half or an hour-odd flight from Sydney to Adelaide, so he can still see his missus. Send him to Adelaide. Take Joe Gauchy the other way. I've been talking it up for ages. Get it done, Celtic. It's, it's too obvious. Yeah. Make it how, how old? How old is Joe Gauchy now? Oh, 23, I think, something like that. Right, so he's a guy that wouldn't necessarily need to go straight into the first team. He could be a backup for a year or two and then make the step in. That's yeah. why I said give uh, Hart the one-year extension. Because mm. then he's got yep. the year to mentor Gauchy, and Gauchy can challenge him to take his spot. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not a player I know a lot about, but... Um, Sorry, he's not a player I know much about, but based on what you've said, it sounds like he would be a very, very good fit for Celtic. And uh, I do like a good goalkeeper. So I, I think that would be a very good move for Celtic to, to pursue. Born in 2000, July 2000, and he's 194 centimetres, so six foot four and a half. So he's a big Oof. bastard too. <laughs> but he's good with the ball at his feet and he's a good shot, shot stopper. Get him in. Hmm. <laughs> Anyway, any other areas you think we need to strengthen? Uh, well, I I don't I know a lot of people don't like don't rate Greg Taylor, but I think Greg Taylor is an excellent fullback. I think he's he's superb, but I do think he needs a challenge because Bernabe is another one of those guys who could be getting out the door, uh, not too far in the future. I think he's not quite made the grade at Celtic and. You know, when Bernabe initially came in and we didn't know if he was going to be good enough or not, it pushed Taylor to make him a better player. What we need now is someone who's going to push him on even further because I still think Greg Taylor is our best left back and I think he's he's young enough that he could still get better. Um, but he needs that push. So another another left back um, to challenge Greg Taylor for the, for the starting berth. Um, maybe one who has a has a little bit more of an attacking edge to him, a bit like Alistair Johnson on the right, just to kind of give us a slightly different dynamic um, if we need to change things up in the middle of a game as well. It'd be good if you could do that as well, get a Johnson type one, because realistically, then you'll have the Taylor and Ralston defensive fullbacks, and then you'll have Johnston and whoever the new one is as your attacking fullbacks. So it gives you good good balance and versatility. So. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Any other positions, Liam? Come on. We've got £72 million in the bank. Let's spend some cash. Um, I don't know. I mean, how much would it cost for a cattle prod should the Rangers fans ever get back in? You know, think about that. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sorry. that that That's disrespectful to cattle. Anyway, moving on. Uh, no, I think I'm pretty much done at that point. I like the way we're playing at the moment. Um. I'd love for us to have like that silky number 10 uh, attacking midfielder, but I don't know if that type of player fits into the current system. And I think Rio Hatati could be that, and Matt O'Reilly can fill that role between them anyway. So, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Now we get on to the, the fun questions about Liam and you as a Celtic <laughs> fan. So we'll start off with my all-time, one of my favourite questions. Other than Henrik Larsson, who would yeah. be your all-time favourite Celtic player and why? Ooh, you know, this is a difficult one because... Um, I'm waiting for Nakamura to get a mention. Well, I mean, Nakamura, Nakamura is, is one of the two that I'm thinking of, right? Um, because obviously he, you know, the goal against Man United, which was on my birthday of all days, was incredible. Um, what a night that was. Uh, he wasn't the only boy who scored that night, I tell you. Anyway, moving on. Hey. 
Um, the uh, the uh, the other one is Lubo, um, because again he came in and people just wrote him off right away. But I have never seen a more two-footed player, a more naturally gifted player in a Celtic shirt. Now, bear in mind, I'm too young to have seen Jimmy Johnson play. I know a lot of people say Jimmy Johnson was better, and maybe he was. Um, but to me, Luba Moravchik is the most naturally gifted uh, player I've ever seen at Celtic. And... Um, by God, how we could have used him when he was 10 years younger in the early 90s when we were getting gubbed, I tell you. Um, but uh, yeah, he just, he was an absolute wizard and he, he he could do things that no one else could do. You know, lots of people remember his two goals against the Huns. Um, and again, that was on my birthday, 21st of November, funnily enough. We seem to get good results whenever we play on my birthday, but that's another story. Um <laughs> The uh, the other thing uh, about him was that I remember one specific game, which probably isn't going to be which only a footnote in Celtic's history, but to me it was such an important game. The treble winning season, we were moving towards winning the league, but there were murmurings that, oh, people have sussed Celtic out. They figured out how to block out our defence, whatever. And we played Motherwell at Celtic Park. And the late Andy Gorham was in goals for Celtic. Now, whatever you think of Andy Gorham, the man, Andy Gorham, the, the goalkeeper, was one of the best I've ever seen anywhere. That guy was an unbelievable goalkeeper. And that night, he had one of the best games he's ever had since he was at Rangers. It, it was Nothing was getting past him. And I thought, oh, God, we're, this is going to end up nothing each. And it was one of those games, everyone's getting frustrated, the crowd are getting annoyed. You know, it's, it's just it's not happening. On comes Lubo. Three kicks, sticks it right in the top corner. Now, I remember Gorham, my, my, my seat was right behind the goal. Gorham caught the ball, slammed it into the penalty spot in temper, and it bounced so far it just about reached the halfway line. And that was just, I thought, this is the night we've won the league. Because we've, <laughs> we've stuck it right up, Andy Gorham, and we've, we've managed to break down a team who did a really good job of holding us out for most of the game. Um, and that was Lubo. Lubo came came on and changed that entire game. And I'm sure there were other games that he did that as well, which I don't remember. But just being there, having that free kick scored right in front of me, it was, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> seeing Andy Gorham's reaction to it was just absolutely incredible. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a thing of beauty. And ever since that night, I thought, yeah, Lubo is, is my favourite Celtic player. <laughs> Kind of funny you say that because on the um on Stephen's body he, he went the same thing with Lubo and he mentioned the two goals against the Huns as well. So um yeah. there you have it. Different eras, but same player, same situation. It's great to hear. Yeah. I mean a, a guy like Lubo kind of transcends errors, you know, he, he really what a player. What a player he was. So Next question for you, Liam, is who would be your top five players that you've seen play for Celtic in your lifetime? So you've got two ways you can do it. You can just rattle off a list of five players or you can just go a five-a-side team and put a team together with like an attacker, a couple of mids, a defender, a goalkeeper, whatever. Up to you how you want to tackle it. Let, let's do a five-a-side team because if I was just to write off my top five, they would all be attacking players and that's not fair to goalkeepers and defenders, right? So you're a goalkeeper, so you gotta look after your own sort. Yeah. So in goal, Arthur Boric. Um just you know, don't know if he's technically the best goalkeeper we've ever had, but you've got to have that excuse my language, you've got to be a bit of a mad bastard to be a goalkeeper, and he absolutely was. And people forget that Mac Nakamura scored that free kick against Man United. Boric saved a penalty about five minutes later or that game would have ended entirely differently. So, yeah, Arthur Boric for me in goals. Um, defender, I would have Virgil van Dijk. I don't think that's really up for debate. He is still one of the best central defenders in the world. Um, and midfield, I would go for... Now, I don't know if they could play in the same team because they're too similar, but I'd say Nakamura and Lubo 
just to see what would it be like to have those two in the same midfield. I would just love to see it. The fight over who takes the free kicks would be interesting, if nothing else. <laughs> and, they're, and they're both look different as well. That's the funny thing. Aye. And then up front, it's got to be Henrik Larsson. That's just, you know, that goes without saying. Although, if you're going to say, well, apart from Henrik Larsson, because everybody says Henrik Larsson, I would say Chris Sutton. Um, superb striker, superb goal scorer, and an absolutely magnificent Hun scalper now that he's retired. <laughs> he's great at winding him up too, which is... Oh, yes. Yeah. Love it. Aye. All right, Liam. So what are some of the most memorable games that you've seen Celtic play and what's so memorable about those games to you? Well, the aforementioned game against Mullerwell was particularly memorable. Um, I was there, probably the most memorable game for me for footballing and personal reasons um, was the, the Barcelona game. I was very, very lucky that the timing of that game was in exactly the eight or nine week window between me finishing one contract in Hong Kong and starting another contract in Osaka. So I was back in Scotland for a couple of months and I got to go to that game. And I was there with my dad and Uncle Frank, who is sadly no longer here. Um, what a night that was. Went for a pint with Uncle Frank before the game, various Celtic pubs around Celtic Park. Really kind of, I'd been away from Scotland for, you know, about, 10 years at that point and that that was me I felt like I'm back here I'm back amongst my tribe you know <laughs> being back in Glasgow in the Celtic pubs with my uncle and it was absolutely brilliant and it, we just walked into the stadium that night and everyone's like, oh Barcelona Messi this could be like six or seven nothing and I'm just like no we're gonna get a result tonight I can just feel it it's just Sometimes people, anyone who's ever been to a big European game at Celtic will know this, right? You know, the, the game against Juventus, the game against the two games where we've beat Barcelona in recent history. Um, you just walk into the park and you feel like this is a special night. Something's going to happen. And sure enough, it did. And, uh, yep. Um, I also remember being at the St Mirren game where we won the league, where... Tommy Johnson scored arguably the ugliest goal that's ever won a league championship that you'll ever see. He basically staggered over the ball from about six yards out and eventually put it in the net, but it didn't matter. Uh, we were champions. And um, yeah, I also, you know, I remember um, being at a, a couple of couple of interesting away games as well. I was at a cup game where Mark Viduka scored his first goals for Celtic. Um, against Morton at, at Capelo. And uh, no disrespect to any Morton fans that are listening, but what an absolute dump that stadium is. I swear to God. Holes in the roof, puddles around your feet. Um, it was, oh, it was, you could, as a, as a, you know, as, as, as a, you sometimes read football at, footballing historians say, you know, you could just stand there and soak up the atmosphere through your shoes, quite literally. Um, so that was quite a night, and uh, so it's yeah. like going to Ibrox nowadays, then. Well, yeah, uh, mi minus the asbestos risk. I think Capital doesn't have any asbestos in it, although Ibrox does. I was um, in the Ibrox are, uh, you know, something completely different, too, because you know they have drunk all the water at the lavies. I <laughs> <Aye>, well, aye, <laughs> aye, um, that was. <laughs> That was quite a memory as well, the old the old, uh, the old lavy drinking, you know. Um, I like to say, you know, we've got a water, we've got Tomokia water, they've got lavy water, you know, that's kind of, that's the way things go now. Um, there's the token dad joke for the pod, there you go. Uh, right. when it was coming. <laughs> yep, uh, that's what she said. Anyway, moving on. So, you got any other memorable games you want to add to your list there, Liam, or you're done um, with that? I'm trying to... The thing is, there's been so many special moments with Celtic. Um, it's not necessarily the game, though, half the time. It's like who you yeah. are with or where you are. Well, like I say, the, being with my Uncle Frank and the build-up to the Barcelona game made it as special as the result was as well. I'd also say the 2001 League Cup final where we beat Kilmarnock 3-0. Um that was good because I got off the train near Hamden with my Celtic top on and my scarf 
And then all I hear is, oh, oh, that's on room. There's about 10,000 Kilmarnock fans right up my arse. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be fun. Luckily. Fans, what? The yeah, rental car from Mardrox, right? Aye, probably. Luckily, I got to the top of the stairs and I got in amongst the Celtic crowd and I was fine. But oof, that was a scary 30 seconds, I can tell you. <laughs> that's what she said. Hey guys, it's a bad joke too for the Liam. There we go. We're all good. There we go. Aye. All right. My last question for you. Mm. Other so imagine the scene. Celtic have copious amounts of money. So we don't have a but a transfer budget. There's no wage structure. Mm. You can spend there's no financial fair play. Okay. You can just go absolutely stupid with the amount that we want to spend. So we're basically going to become Rangers in the 2000s, is that what you're telling me? Right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So that situation, who would be the one player that you have seen play live during your life and wish that they had signed for Celtic, other than Messi and Ronaldo, obviously? Right. I'll give two answers to this. I'll give a player who is still currently playing and an all-time player because I think that's only fair. All-time, Oliver Kahn. Nice. Um, saw him play twice for Bayern Munich against uh, Celtic. The best goalkeeper I've ever seen. And again, a bit of a nutter. Um, I, ju- I just love his approach to the, the, the game and the way the way he plays it. And to this day, he's you know he's part of the uh, the boardroom team at, at Bayern Munich, and he's just a guy who just knows football inside and out, loves the game, plays with passion, and, and loves the yeah, game too. <laughs> oh, he does, aye, aye. And what what a goalkeeper he, he, he was as well. Um, yeah, Oliver Kahn as my all-timer. Um, in terms of players that are currently available, um, I would love to see Celtic go out and sign who would who would be the number one? Because there's a, there's a few different ones that are going through my head right now. But um, I don't want to roll off. Just go for it and then pick one after that. All right. Well, Zla- I don't know if Zlatan's officially retired yet, but God, I'd love to see him in a Celtic shirt. So Zlatan is one. Um, I would also say uh, the um, the what's his name? The guy that so I'm going blank. Give me a wee second. <laughs> just one of them. I had a whole list and they've all just gone. Uh, a precious got to you, mate. Aye, <laughs> aye. No, the um, right, right. Here we go. So I think obviously Kylian Mbappe is for me the pound for pound the best player in the world at the moment. When he's get his head on straight, which I think you know he would need to be managed properly, but you know that's one. Um, I really like the um, the US striker. Formerly with Chelsea, not sure who he's with now. Pulisic, I like, I like yep. him as a player. He's he, he's a good one. Um, and I'm going to take flack for this, but he's a guy who I think Celtic have a habit of taking players who don't make it and rejuvenating them and making them brilliant. Harry <laughs> Maguire. Okay, I thought you were going to no. say Alfredo Morelos. <laughs> no, Trace, no, no. I, I buy him for the kids to play with while the team's playing, you know. But no, um, bouncy <laughs> castle or whatever. I don't know, but. The, it's a big, uh, big blockhead, Maguire. Yep. Yeah, no, I think there's a player in there. And I think it just needs... He needs what Joe Hart needed a couple of years ago. He needs to come to a club where he's going to be loved and embraced and given the chance to show what he can do. And I think, yeah, I think Harry Maguire could do it. Problem Fair is, enough. Man United would still want 30 or 40 million for him and he's not even worth 4 million at the moment. So so let's take their, their you know, dumb and dumber twins or whatever you want from him. If they're going to want 30 million for Harry Maguire, let's take Phil Jones off their hands instead. Yeah, that's a good, potentially a good shout, aye? aye? Just about the same. But anyway, yeah, it's, um, and it's okay. So of all the ones you rattled off, who would be your, your, your pick out of all of them? Oliver Kahn. Oliver Darn. Kahn every day of the week. Nice. I would agree with that. Unbelievable player. Mm. All right. So... Thanks, Liam, for sharing your story as a Celtic fan and letting us get to know a bit more about you and what you think about Celtic and everything. It's been great. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hit the like button on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. All that helps us in the algorithm. Our social media channels are on the screen here, Instagram, Twitter, at Celtic Down. 
It's the same on threads as well, but no one uses that. So who cares? <laughs> um, Facebook um, and YouTube, you can find us Celtic Down Under, just search that. We've got our fundraiser for the month of of October going on, uh, One Foot Forward. It's for the Black Dog Institute Mental Health Awareness. It's all over our social media. If you can give a couple of bucks here or there, just jump on and do so. We really appreciate that. But other than that, thanks, Liam, for doing this episode again. And uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the international break. And we'll be back for the pot noodle net the following week. It's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. And uh, also, big thank you to everybody who has donated to the aforementioned fundraiser so far. Um, I can say quite authoritatively, your money is going to save lives. So thank you. Hell, hell. Hell, hell. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.